We are officially back from spring break and it is time to once again get into Formula One. And I know everybody that's currently standing by to chat to you uh, on this podcast is super excited because we really missed racing for the last month. And as we get into the second half of the year, there's a lot of exciting things that are going to be happening. Of course, we're looking at 10 races in 13, 14 weeks to complete the season, which means we are going to be squeezing in as much racing content as physically possible over the next 13, 14 weeks. And it's just going to be amazing. Red Bull is going after world records, first-time records, and it's just going to get more exciting. So obviously, first off, we got to welcome our Red Bull aficionado, which is Matthew Kanai. He's a professional automotive and lifestyle content creator and a new BMW owner. Matthew, welcome. <laughs> Hello, Kriya. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here again. We have to throw in that uh, BMW chip, uh, Matthew, because you're super excited to have your brand new car. <laughs> it was your summer break spoil. It, it was. I, uh, I took a little bit of leave. And I decided to go swipe now, cry later, and ended up uh, buying something really, really special. So happy to join the BMW Owners Club, as they're now called. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously meet in car parks and talk about F1 as well. Or follow him on social media. You can see all the updates to what he's doing to that car. I know he's going to do a lot of work and some very cool content. And then, of course, welcoming our second person is Avon Middleton, who's the publisher and director of Top Gear South Africa and a motorsport analyst. And in his summer break, he spoiled himself with a new test track, Avon. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds very cool. Um, one day we'll have a Formula One car going around there. But uh, yeah, that was that was big news for Top Gear just to launch our own test track. It's been a long time coming. It's been a lot of negotiating, quite hard, but very exciting. So we're going to have yeah a whole bunch of content coming out of there, including some celebrity hot laps. So I guess that means Korea. You're going to have oh, to come. No. <laughs> <laughs> How good is your insurance, Evan? <laughs> It's very good, actually, and lots of runoff space. Don't worry. Okay, good. Just checking. I did a race. Uh, I did a couple of laps around Swatkops the other day, and I managed to break a one minute twenty five. So I'm very proud of myself. Ooh, good time. Well done. That's only relevant if we know what you were driving, though. I was driving a Mustang, <laughs> and it was limited. Okay. No, that's not bad in a Mustang. Yeah, well I done. Thought so. Thank you. <laughs> and I didn't crash, so it's even more impressive. <laughs> the Mustang, that is very impressive. <laughs> All right, let's get to the, the matters at hand. And, of course, we're talking Formula One. Um, and it's spring break is obviously time for teams to go, have a little bit of a relax, uh, a kind of a forced break, and come back energized and ready to go for the second half of the season. Big news, obviously, coming out at the end of the last race was Alpine they decided to scrap their management team and there was a whole lot of new positions opening up. Matthew, maybe talk us through what Alpine's doing and obviously they're searching for new team bosses. Well, it's a big oh dear, oh dear, because normally the summer break, the rules say everybody go have a holiday, have a rethink, come back and have a nice refresher. But what's happened is someone's taken the bowling ball at Alpine and thrown it and uh, dismiss Otmar Safar's uh, Alan Parmen and uh, Pat Fry. Now, those are big, big names. So Otmar leaving is quite a big one. His exit comes after Reynolds Chief rejected his proposed timeline for Formula One success. So what that meant was he had a projection, as all team bosses and principals have, to get a team to a certain position. They obviously felt he never uh, got to that level. So he projected a new timeline and they rejected it and they just said, cheers. The same thing with Pat Fry. He also left an Alan Palmer. Now, Pat Fry is a big one. Pat Fry from Alpine 
goes to his new role at Williams. And Alan Parmain, you know, he's at the same position at Otmar. And the thing is about Alan Parmain, he's been with the team since 1989. Uh, that was just three years after the team became Benetton. And obviously, if you know your history with F1, that, you know, Schumacher won with that team before it became Benetton. So he's seen all the team's highs and lows, um, and he's seen them go through everything. So it's very weird because they've kind of just knocked everything out and it kind of puts Alpine in a very, very, very bad position, especially in terms of consequences because they don't have a team principle. Um, and it's kind of an indication of just how far down they've fallen. And obviously this is not going to get easier for the team moving forward. They also don't have their drivers confirmed from next year either. No, they don't. It's, it's a weird one with Alpine because Alpine were very strong, you know, with Gasly coming in. You think he would solidify the team and get them to where they are, but they obviously had a bit of a rough start and everyone said they would find their feet. But to go through before a summer break and to kind of depart with three of your big people and not having confirmed drivers for next year, it's a weird, weird one for the Formula One paddock because there's all sorts of rumors. And also Bonotto making a little bit of an appearance the other day kind of sparks rumors that he might be the next successor and to kind of revive his tarnished name at Alpine. But Nothing's been set in stone. So for Alpine, it's a bit of a worry. If you support the team and you're a diehard, good luck. But otherwise, no one exactly knows what's going on. Um, let's talk a little bit off the track. And Avon, I kept this one for you because I know what Matthew is going to say. Um, there's been a little bit of um, controversy around Max Verstappen because he posted a video or the teens or whatever. Somehow it got onto social media that he was driving his Aston Martin around the streets of, of um, Monaco with one hand on the steering wheel and the other hand playing with the touchscreen um, of his car. And now all of a sudden he's got legal action against him. I mean, I put my makeup on whilst I'm driving. I eat a banana. I never have more two hands on the steering wheel. So first of all, I you should know by now, I certainly hate this kind of news coverage. Yes. <laughs> so I, here's what I have to say about it. I think the legalities, if they press charges, I don't know if that's official yet, but I think the legalities around him speeding, that was the main one. So I think he was doing, uh, I don't know, he was something like 70-something 70, 70 Ks an hour over the speed limit at that point. Mm. I just say Max is a hero because he was driving the Aston Martin that Matthew and I will probably never drive in our lifetime. And uh, we should just we should just congratulate him for that. <laughs> You know, all this other stuff, I, I, I call it, I just call it BS and, and just, you know, when you're in the limelight, I suppose everything is going to get thrown at you. Um, yeah, I, I think this is one of those things, it's, it's a, it should be in the U magazine and that's about it. <laughs> Matthew, do you have something to say about this? No, look, absolutely. It's nitpicking. So Matthew... Kriya, Avon, walk down the road. We all have a drink in our hand. It's a can. We throw it into the bin from a distance. It misses. It falls on the floor. Ah, oh, that's so funny. And then we pick it up and put it in the bin. We all become superstars overnight. We do the same thing. And then we're posted as people who litter. We hate the environment. We don't believe in recycling. So it to me, it's nitpicking. The man was just enjoying his car. Um, he was living, look, he, he was doing 127 in an 80 zone, but still, it's people just nitpicking. And I mean, if, if laws are laws, you're so many Ks over the speed limit, there's no way you can go to jail. He wasn't harming someone's, you know, life or endangering it. It's just someone choosing to 
enlarge and make things a spectacle in the social world. And I agree with Avon, you know, whether I like someone or don't like someone, I think this whole cancel culture kind of breeding in society is it's very dangerous for anyone. And it's just one of those like, whatever, leave the man. He was just doing his thing and now you want to scrutineer him just because he's uh, a champion and doing well. Okay, let's stay with Max and let's move away from the willy-nilly, horrible social media (laughs) news. And let's move into Avon. He's got a very big second half of the season waiting for him. Obviously, we know that car performs well. It's got great reliability. It's one of the best performing cars in in the last couple of years, maybe even. Um, And he's going for his ninth win in a row. Now, this is obviously super important because he's making Formula One history. What's going to be even better is if Formula or if Red Bull win every race for the rest of the season, they are going to be the very first record holder or team to hold the record of all races won in one season. It's never been achieved in the 64-year history, 64 year history of Formula One. And Red Bull can actually, you know, get this record, Avon. They can. And uh, if I was a betting man, I'd say they, they will. Uh, I think let's talk about the team themselves as a as an outfit red bull has no holes they have no weak points they have nothing that other teams can capitalize on uh everything that they do uh they're doing right and they're doing well and yeah they're just a formidable team you know even if you look at spa even max with a penalty this is nothing you know i think by lap 17 max was back in the lead and business as usual so yeah, just uh, in terms of that record, I, do, I certainly see it happening. Moving on to Max, you know, nine races in a row, I think it's absolutely 100% going to happen. Um, I see no reason why that's going to change apart from a reliability problem, which again, as I said, Red Bull has no hold. So for anyone to assume that that might happen, it's a, it's an assumption based on on nothing other than, you know, uh, bad uh, bad omen. Um, but in terms of Max, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's just, he's at home. He should be on form. He won there last year. He won there in 2021. Uh, and he's definitely, I think, going to make it three for three. And then of course, he's going to take that record, um, uh, or, or, or equal that record or Vettel's record. Um, and sorry, is he equally Vettel's record or he'll beat it this weekend? He'll beat it, right. So, yeah, yeah, he's definitely going to do it. I don't even think it's an absolute. He's, he's definitely going to do it. I think really the, the big news is trying to get that all-time record. I think that will be Red Bull's goal. This one is just going to be a great celebration for the team and a great celebration for Max at home. Um, provided he doesn't hit a pigeon and there's no flares <laughs> on the- Also, we're looking at Max wrapping up the whole Formula One season, and he could potentially win the championship within the next four races. Obviously, there's a bit of maths that goes to it. So, you know, Checo's got to carry on performing, you know, the way he's performing at the moment, which is not amazingly. And then Max has to win the next four races, and he could be the world champion by the time we get to Japan. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. I think with everything that Red Bull has been achieving, um, you know, if you just put the cold hard facts to the to the grill, it's it's quite easy to see that Red Bull have achieved everything they've wanted to. Uh, they've stopped developing the car uh, a few races ago to focus on the next uh, development with Ford in 2026. So for them, if they have a clear shot at this and they know they can, they definitely will. And, you know, they can just focus on other things. So if they can get Max over the line, 
to be champion in four races, they'll definitely focus on Checo. But again, it's just they've got to work together as a team. They can't have hiccups. They can then focus on Checo. So it, it's also just it's phenomenal to think that someone can win a championship in four races when they're still, you know, Ten left, yeah. That's it's it's quite a bit. Also for Max as well. I can understand his 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 statements on the on the web and in interviews that he's getting bored because I mean, you can win so early. It means like you can literally have a faff, put a reserve driver, put Daniel in the car, have fun, and he'll still walk out a better person. So it's just you know, at the end of the day, they're both a phenomenal car. They've got a well oiled machine of a team. And when they calculate it like that, they'll for sure go for it. But I mean, for them now, it's just about bragging rights. They'll go for the triple title with them. They'll win this world record because they know when the season changes again and regulation changes, they won't be able to get something like this again. And it'll be a little bit harder and other teams might have caught up. And also the big thing is in 2026, the sports or motorsports biggest brand, Audi, then joins and that becomes an immediate threat because Audi don't join to become second. Every sort of motorsport they've entered, they've gone on to win. And once they've won, they've left. Um, so I think they just want to wrap up as much silverware as possible before they they move on to the next regulation. Let's talk about best of the rest, because at the moment we kind of know that Red Bull is dominating. They're going to go for, you know, the most amount of wins um, ever in Formula One history in one season, et cetera, et cetera. Who comes in best of the rest? Because now, Avon, we're pushing to obviously see who's going to be challenging Red Bull, if at all challenging them. Who's that looking like? Because we've obviously got McLaren, we've got Mercedes, we've got Aston Martin. Somewhere in there, we've got a Ferrari. We're not exactly sure what's happening with them at the moment. But they could potentially bring it to Red Bull or bring the fight to them. So, look, the big... The big- fight at the moment is the Mercedes Aston Martin fight right so even in the constructors championship Mercedes is well ahead of Aston Martin at the moment but it's uh you know by my maths two race wins ahead so it's not it's not the end of the world um considering the gap to Red Bull you know Red Bull is literally double the points of what Mercedes have um so it's just it's insane so really it's Mercedes Aston Martin and Ferrari's got a shot in there as well Ferrari's about five points behind Aston Martin in the Constructors' Championship. And then, of course, turning it to the drivers, it's really the Alonso-Hamilton battle, isn't it? Um, and then there's mm. further things going on behind them. But Alonso and Hamilton separated by a point. And, you know, let's not discount Hamilton in particular. And I say that because of, you know, Mercedes seems to have kept their form. Obviously, Alonso's um, uh, kind of lost some form with the Aston Martin team. But let's not sort of discount them trying to catch Perez as well. You know, Perez really needs to shape up and remain firmly in that second place. So that's a battle to watch as well. But then, of course, position five, six, seven, all up for grabs. Leclerc, Russell, both on equal points. Signs nibbling seven points behind them. And then, of course, this is the cool one. I really hope and think Norris can notch his way up there. And uh, if I was Carlos Sainz, I'd be worried. You know, he's still a way behind, but uh, we know the form that they're in at the moment. So, yeah, I think that's really where the most exciting battles are. Um, You know, those are the ones to watch out for. But I think just for bragging rights, Alonso Hamilton, I think, is the one to to watch <laughs> and see how they how they end the season. And let's be serious. When it comes to Lewis and and, and Fernando, there's always fireworks. I mean, history has shown us that there's always fireworks. 
you know what? I've been quite I've been quite impressed by both of them this season. I don't know if it's like this nearing your forties or over forty. I don't know what it is, but they they've been quite respectful of each other on the track this season. And uh, I don't know. They seem to be enjoying Formula One more than kind of trying to outdo each other or prove a point to each other. If if you know what I mean, it's certainly a very different Lewis Hamilton. Fernando Alonso relationship than we've seen in the past. So, yeah, I don't think, you know, I think they're going to do their races. I think they're going to be mighty respectful of each other. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't think we'll see huge fireworks personally. I think uh, they're they're at a point where they know their form, they know when they're performing, and they'll, they'll fight when they need to fight. But I'm, I think we've seen it. You know, there's been times Lewis has passed Alonso on track, and there's been no great action. It's been one of those, all right, you're faster than me. I'm not going to mm. give too much of a headache to you. But there's also a lot of um, kind of things that are, are, are hanging over. Let's talk specific about Lewis Hamilton. Um, Matthew, he doesn't have a contract yet for next year. I know between Toto and, and Lewis, we're getting a lot of reports coming out saying, listen, we're just working out the nitty-gritty details. There's just one or two small things. And then there will be signing. But at the end of the day, this is Formula One and anything can happen. Do we see Lewis staying with Mercedes? Is there a, a minute chance that he could be looking at moving to another team? I don't know. Look, at this part of the season, look, Lewis is he's the, the king of keeping everyone at suspense. Um, and again, every time the contract does get extended, it's only for a year. And I think he's had enough time to spend with the team and the engineers to see how far the development of the car, but also he's got to weigh his options. He is chasing that elusive eighth title, which he mm. wants to, and he wants to be the greatest of all time. And he has every right to do so, but he also has to believe in a team that can take him there. And so far, Mercedes are not proving to be that team. And also with new technical regulations coming in, does he give them another shot? Or the other strong rumor is, does he go to the elusive Ferrari space? Because Ferrari have a way of doing this. We only saw it once when Michael and his era reigned and he took that team all the way to superstardom and Michael became Ferrari, just like how Lewis is with Mercedes. So could Lewis be that person at Ferrari? We don't know because there's so much happening. There's also the rumor that at Ferrari, it's always trouble in paradise, but Carlos Sainz being strongly linked to Audi, um, it also leaves an open seat there for Ferrari. And Leclerc as well. Both of Leclerc and Sainz have not signed a contract um, beyond 2024. Um, so it, it's a bit of a weird situation now. Where does he go? I, If Mercedes can pull up their socks for the rest of the season, then great. I can see Lewis building a strong title contention for maybe 24 because Red Bull at that time would have given up and, and focused on the 2026 uh, car and regulation. But it, it's very tough to tell. I mean, Lewis does bring a lot to a team um, he brings a lot of publicity, a lot of money, a lot of sponsorship. So there's also that to consider. But I don't know. I just don't see him having that much face. And then with the threat of uh, T-Boys, George Russell, I don't know. Um, there's also a ton of friction at Mercedes with them there and, and them not getting along and George disobeying. It's very tough for me to actually say confidently that Lewis will stay at Mercedes. I think the fact that Toto Wolf has also come out and said um, that he's, or, or Mercedes' focus is now on their car for next year. They're going to kind of run out the way that they can for the rest of the season um, and then really push their focus now on to 2024. I think that might help. Yeah, I definitely think it will. But um, yeah, maybe, Avon, you can uh, weigh in on that. 
Yeah, I'd like to. I just want to say, you know, Toto saying that is, uh, there's two things. The one is I, I don't necessarily believe him. And I say that just given the history of Mercedes and just saying things and then doing something else. It's, it's quite common for them to do that. But I do think if it is tr the truth that it is a good thing because what Mercedes did in 2022 is they chased this development uh, of that car, which was a, a very flawed car to start with. And I think they lost ground in building this 2023 car that, as we know, when they rocked up to testing, it was still very, very flawed. And I think that was the problem. So if they are focusing on this new car, I think it's a good thing. But I also think Mercedes is chasing that second place and they're chasing the money that comes with it. And they are Mercedes. They, they certainly don't want to take their foot off the gas. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see how they go for the remainder of the season. But, you know, 10 races is a lot of races. It's, not, it's a lot of points to kind of give up on, if that makes sense. Um, and as I say, there's a financial benefit to it as well. But then the other thing I just want to say is I, I don't think, you know, if you consider what Lewis has done with and for the Mercedes team, Lewis's contract is not just about salary. You know, there's a lot more to it uh, that I think no other team would be able to or would want to engage with. You know, Lewis has essentially changed the structure of the Mercedes team. He's changed their R&D. He's changed how they view HR and, and how they hire people. It's not a, you know, it's, it's a really deep level contract. And I think that's what the holdup is. I don't think a Ferrari would ever do that. You know, Ferrari is very set in their ways. They very yeah. much, this is how we do things. If you don't like it, well, you can go through the door. And so I think, I don't think there's any other team that would accommodate Lewis and what he's trying to achieve beyond the salary. Um, but I also think this is the Lewis way, right? I, I believe the contract is with lawyers and they're back and forthing. I certainly don't think it's going to end in tears or end in a breach. I, I think it's simply Lewis making sure that he gets what he wants beyond his $50 million or whatever it might be. In terms of the title chase, again, you know, Matthew, I disagree with you slightly. I don't think there's any other team Lewis can go to that will give him a real shot at a title chase other than Mercedes. Or Red Bull, of course, but we know he's not. We know he's not going to go. <laughs> but I think the two teams, you know, if you had to say out of all the teams on the grid, which team would give anyone their shot at a title chase for twenty twenty four specifically? I still think Mercedes is that team. When we go twenty five, twenty six, maybe we can start talking about a few other teams. But certainly, Lewis wants to win that title as soon as possible, right? And I and I certainly think. 2024 is what he's hoping for oh i also hope for him i really want him to get this record i think the gravitas that it'll have not only for the sport but for sport in general um like you said avon what lewis has brought to formula one what he's brought to you know the hiring processes to recognizing issues that are happening in the world i think as a human being just in general he's done such a fantastic job and i think that you know, to have that title fight and to have that record of being the greatest of the great, I think it's just going to add so much gravitas to Lewis as a human being and as a person wanting to do a lot of change in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I heard a podcast. Um, I listened to a podcast with um, Eddie Jordan and, and David Coulthard. And, um, you know, they were saying the question was, you know, Max or Lewis, Max or Lewis, right? And one of the things DC said was, you know, the problem is Lewis is such a busy man off the track. 
and I think he just, uh, you know, what he was trying to imply is that, you know, Max is very much a racer and that's all he does. When he goes home, mm-hmm. he's honest and he's racing and then he comes to work and he's racing. Whereas Hamilton, you know, kind of gets distracted with all these other things. And I found myself thinking that really is not true or I wouldn't agree with it simply because I feel like that's the Hamilton he's always been, right? I don't think, you know, Lewis Hamilton hasn't been doing this kind of jet-setting lifestyle and trying to change the world just for the last two years. You know, even at the prime or height of his career, he was still doing that. So I, I think that is the Lewis Hamilton legacy that he wants to leave. And yeah, I agree with you. An eighth world title would certainly cement that and 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 then he can retire and go and change the world in other ways. <laughs> Leave that there for now. Let's talk Dutch Grand Prix. Obviously, this is Max's home track. Everyone is super excited to have him there. There's such a party atmosphere. But let's talk race itself. Obviously, overtaking is tricky. Narrow track, a lot of sequential corners. Um, and obviously, qualifying is going to be a very important part of this weekend for the best of the race because we know that you know, Red Bull is going to to perform, Matthew. What are we looking at going into this race this weekend? Look, for this kind of race, track position is incredibly key. So for this, you know, there's not a lot of space on this track. So you really have to late break, but also depending on where you're qualifying, I think we're going to see a little bit of a circus in qualifying because as we know, people love to hold each other up and wait till last minute and it's just going to be chaos. So track position is key. Lots of people will be trying to fight out of Q3, Q2, Q1, um, but yeah, again, it's that, but at the same time, it's tires. We've seen that a lot of the tires have improved for this year and teams have gone from three stop to two stop. Danny Rick also just providing such good information from the last few races where every other team is just running through three stops and he's still on the first or like early set of seconds. So um, track position, very key. You've got to have a good, good, good start and you've got to hold position. But again, if you want to make some overtakes, you've got to be very, very risky because it's got that 18 degree bank and obviously fans love that, but that's one of the unique parts of the track. So I'm looking forward to it. It's, um, it's been described as lots of swoops and flows through the sand dunes, but also creating a roller coaster like feel for the lap. Avon, talk to me about what you are thinking in terms of this race. And then whilst you add it, you might as well go into predictions. Sure. So this has become my favorite race on the calendar. What I love about it is it's an old school track. Yes, it's major, major upgrades were done to it prior to 2021, but it is still old school. There is... There is not too much room for mistakes. And that's what I love is the old school way of doing Formula One. So 14 turns, very technical circuit, if not the most technical on the circuit. Turn three, turn four, a lot can happen there. Very technical parts of the track. And then that last turn, I think in qualifying last year, um, you know, that that last turn caught out Perez, caught out uh, Vettel. So, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. So my expectation is... And I, and I don't mean this as a joke. I genuinely do mean it. No flares on the track. That was a big problem mm-hmm. last year. Um, and, and I really hope there's not uh, any air traffic in the name of pigeons. Um, and then I think what's going to happen is that run down to turn one, very, very short, 230 meters run down to turn one. And then all chaos can happen there. I think that's going to be interesting. And then as Matthew, Matthew said, the tires is a big one. You know, we had a lot of three stoppers last year. Ferrari completely messed up Sainz's strategy last year um, with tyres and not being ready with tyres. 
Um, have we heard this before? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think there's going to be a lot of carnage. I do expect a safety car or two, and I do expect a lot of gravel uh, or people to run into the gravel. So, yeah, I'm very excited. It's one of it's it's one of the one of the best races on the calendar, in my opinion. And I do quite like this idea of a home hero coming to mm-hmm. his home track, and you know, probably, possibly, definitely winning. You know, I think it's just a fantastic atmosphere and i think it'll be good for max you know he not that he needs more good but he <laughs> it's one of those things you wish you could experience you know lewis at silverstone max at home it's it's something that is a very very rare experience for most sportsmen so or sports people so yeah so that's that's my thoughts on the race in terms of my top three Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc. You giving the Ferrari a, a podium? I am. I am. I I feel like I feel like they're yeah. I, I feel like they'll have it all together. They they were very quick there last year, and um, you know, as I said, despite messing up on the strategy side of things, I think Leclerc was quite quick. Carlos Sainz was quite quick as well. So I just think it's going to be a Ferrari. It's going to be a good day for Ferrari, and I and I have a, a hope that. Sergio will have much to prove because he messed up Q3 yes. last year. And I, I, I think he'll want to just solidify his place in that team here at Sunfoot. Okay. All right. Ma- um, Matthew, give us yours. What's your prediction for, for this weekend? Right. I know everyone thinks I'm a, I'm a Red Bull diehard, but I'd like to say I'm quite fair and balanced. But I'm going to put... You are fair and balanced. Who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously... Home hero, three in a row, Max Verstappen for P1. And then I've got extreme confidence that Lando Norris is going to wedge himself into P2. I think he's he's done a lot of work to get himself there, and I think he knows what he's in for. So did uh, pretty good in the last few runs. So I think Lando Norris, P2. Sergio Perez collecting P3. I think he's got a lot of work ahead of him. Um, hasn't been performing as well. Confidence is down. So I'm going to put him in P3. P4, I'm going to put Lewis... Uh, P5, George, uh, P6, Charles, then 7, Alonso, 8, Science, and then Piastri <laughs> for the next position. So I know it's a bit all over, but considering how last races are um, and how well the drivers have been performing, I think it's going to be a Red Bull, McLaren, Red Bull podium. But I feel like Lewis and George might have a trick up their sleeve, depending on what's happened to kind of snatch a P3 from Sergio, because Sergio... He's been on the back foot, um, and I'm not sure he's he's there yet to collect another podium. I just think he's got a lot to prove now, especially with Daniel being in that seat. Um, mm. That could potentially take from him. So that that's my that's my predictions. Very very balanced, as you can see. <laughs> very balanced, Matthew. People mustn't say that you're not balanced. <laughs> no 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 no. I'm I'm quite fair. I love my team, and I'll die for my team at any given point. But you know, credit where credit's due. I know where a driver performs well and where their team is doing well. So I yeah. know exactly where someone would place. And again, sometimes my drivers don't have it best and I have to just call a spade a spade. Well, I'm going to help you call your spade a spade because I'm also very worried about Sergio Perez. Um, I'm also a little bit worried about your McLaren pick because if I look at the way that McLaren's been performing, obviously they came back with like a rocket ship at some stage and then they were performing great for two races and then something just went completely haywire um, and that car wasn't giving us exactly what, you know, we wanted and what we expected of them. So I'm going kind of, you know, similar but kind of different. I'm going to go Max, 
Lewis. And then, wow. yeah, I know. I want Lewis to get up there, guys. Come on. I think that Mercedes, <laughs> as much as they, and you, 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 you alluded to this earlier, Avon, their showboating is so good. They practiced it so hard that even though they are saying they're focusing on next year, I feel like during the summer break, they definitely did some dev to that car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Look, Lewis is very good on these old school tracks, and and so perhaps it's not a bad call. He he went really well there last year, apart from that kind of I suppose risk they took on those medium tires right at the end. So, I mean, Lewis was was in the lead of that race quite a lot last year, and Max, you know, Max got him at the end. But um, yeah, might 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 be a good call. So yeah, so Max, Lewis, and then I'll give Sergio the benefit of the doubt because I know he's under pressure and he needs to start pushing. If he has a crappy qualifying, then I'll please, I'll retake my prediction <laughs> and I'll put in a different one with Sergio not in third place. Okay, so just confirm that for me. What's the top three? Max, it's Lewis. Max, Lewis, Sergio. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah, so there was one key indicator why I'm putting the Mercs down is that before Spa, at Spa, Mercedes brought an upgrade to their floor and it brought back the dreaded P word, porpoising. So as to whether they've fixed it for this race, we'll have to wait and see. But that was a little bit of a shocker with their upgrade. So the P word is back for them. So that's why I don't have confidence to put them up into a top three. That's why I placed them fifth and sixth. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, let's, let's see. Hopefully everyone's well rested, well prepared for the second half of the season. And we'll see some great action on track. No, I can't wait. I must be honest. I'm so excited. Uh, my weekends were boring. You are agreed. <laughs> well, Jens, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Enjoy race weekend. Sit there, have a, a cold beverage. Um, and we'll chat to you before the next race. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Kriya. Thanks, Matthew. Chat to you guys soon. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks, Avon. Always a pleasure to chat F1, and good luck this weekend.